Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Hafsa and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. Here we are in the second quarter of the year. The skies are brighter and the days are getting longer at last. I didn't think winter would end. You know, all that doom and gloom. Well, we've finally seen the back of that. So yay. You have no idea how excited I am about this one, as my guest Sabrina is the epitome of self-care and well-being. No one does it better than her. Why, I hear you ask? Well, she has been an NHS midwife for 10 years, and she's fully into the holistic side of things. So whether it's Pilates, acupuncture, herbs and supplements, alternative therapies, gut health, or anything that will make her glow, she's all over it. And speaking of glow, the very first thing you'll notice about Sabrina is the glow that just emanates from her because her skin is just something else. So in this episode, Sabrina and I cover everything from her experience being a key worker during the peak of the pandemic to why we're committed to being soft life babes. You must check out Sabrina's ebook, the link to which I've shared in the show notes. Here she talks about CBD, herbs and nutrition for mood, sleep, anxiety, and how to just alleviate period cramps and so much more. Happy listening. Who is Sabrina in three words? Hilarious self-care because that's been my thing for like years and years and years and years and then third um self-aware like I, I feel like I'm self-aware as well sometimes to a fault <laughs> sometimes no, to a fault no 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 I love I honestly I'm so glad that I'm here because I have followed you on Twitter for the longest and longest of times and I knew that we had the same interests yeah we like same things and like we used to like always respond to each other's tweets so when actually this happened, I was really happy because I was just like, oh my God, I get to talk about 
exactly what I like with somebody that I really, really, really respect and admire. Me and get too, me too. Things that I love talking about and that I love posting about because most of the time on my social media, my face, I mean, my face is on my main page, but in my stories, I don't really talk much in my stories. I tend to sort of post what I want to post and then yeah. kind of go. So I think this is a nice way also for people to kind of get to know me as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. Honestly, I feel like you have so much to share as well. So that's why yeah. I feel like it's, it's like come at the perfect time to chat with you because you're you work for the NHS you're a medical professional I mean you'll go into detail about what you do exactly but you're so into like self-care and also the holistic route as well so you kind of marry that all together so when I saw your work I was like I have like I literally was like I'm I'm like a fangirl literally I love looking at your videos your content your your everything seriously all the stuff you do I admire it so much honestly I love it (laughs) It's it's a lot. It's a lot to balance. Like career, I've worked in quite a busy career that demanded a lot from me. In like, I graduated when I was twenty one, so I am thirty now. Yeah. Um, so ten years this year, almost that I've actually been working and working full time. And you know, we all know what's going on in the press right now with staff shortages. I can tell you, it was short staffed when I started out ten years ago. It was short staffed twenty years ago when my mum started out. So it's you know, yeah. it's intense so I think when you're in a role that requires so much of you it's incredibly important to fill yourself back up because the my role naturally I expend a lot of energy I support women you know through labor through birth all sorts and that's been what I've done for a very very long time and as much as you might enjoy it it is you expending a lot of energy so you do need to fill yourself back up and to be able to do so regularly otherwise you do get burnt out and I think naturally life happens things happen but you do need to be able to look after yourself and prioritize yourself and prioritize your mental health and your well-being and your physical health because my job requires a lot from me and I think that it's not just physical it's mental because you're constantly looking out for making sure that you know somebody's well making somebody's labor and birth experience is going okay being able to pick up on things if things are deviating from the norm that sort of thing so you are constantly ticking so I Mm. think you're doing that and predominantly I've worked long shifts all my life you need to be able to look after yourself basically absolutely I bet I mean I already dealt with burnout just working in marketing alone and that's not even the kind of job that saves lives that has like a human life at the forefront so don't 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 downplay it it's hot market I've got friends that work in my it's hard it's busy and they work a lot so don't don't downplay it (laughs) okay I won't I won't (laughs) it's it's not it's not an easy field and I think it's so funny because this morning I was at Pilates and I was talking to one of the girls and she's got an office space role and she said she doesn't understand why people call it a nine to five because she doesn't work nine to five she said I don't know yeah it's not nine to five and it's so true most roles you don't you don't start at nine and finish at five how many times do people stay behind you know and you know are trying to do you know two people's jobs in one person that sort of thing so actually I think we need to move away from the label of nine to five and actually say it for what it is actually because actually I know for a fact I don't have a nine to five and most people don't have nine to fives whether you're working in a healthcare role an administrative role or an office role you are working outside of those hours well outside of it honestly I feel like nine to five is actually a good day when I actually don't have a busy period at work nine to five is literally there's not much to do I'm just Mm. coasting by the day and then I'm like oh okay I can just leave at five o'clock most Mm. times I'm done with work six six thirty seven o'clock I mean I've worked well up until like the morning sometimes which is ridiculous but I mean 
at the end of the day, it's the responsibility lies in our hands to an extent as well. I feel like we definitely need to look after ourselves with our jobs. And obviously you've mentioned now you need to look after yourself in order to do a good job for yourself, but not even just that, just literally for yourself as a person. But I feel like I know quite a few people who are doctors, who are mental health professionals, nurses, midwives, and they all tell me how demanding the job is, especially being on the front line. And also obviously we're in a pandemic as well. So I'm sure that kind of kind of added to the to the pressure as well. So what was it like working during the pandemic and and how that kind of impacted you? Did you have to kind of amp up the self-care? Did you have to to switch things up a little bit? Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it was shit. I'm I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to molly cuddle it I'm not going to dress it up dress yeah. it down my anxiety was through the roof wow Fucking hell. I remember this happened this kicked off I went on holiday to Spain in February came back um the end of February beginning of March I was told by my boss we're in a pandemic we're all being redeployed we're all going back onto label permanently and that was that yeah we had no PPE really Nobody really knew or understood like the, the pathophysiology of the actual disease and how um, it how it was impacting people. We knew it was a respiratory condition and we knew it was also um, impacting a lot of people that had comorbidities, but it was quite brand new. And I used to see a lot of tech people be like, oh, it's like the flu, it's like the flu. It's not like the flu because no. it, how it was manifesting was completely different. So I was really anxious. I was super anxious. I, I did not want to work, not because... I'm lazy, but I didn't want to be at work because I was so anxious. And naturally wow. I had already, like anxiety is something that I've dealt with for a very long time. So this, it just amped it up so much more. Now already I look after myself, I take my supplements, you know, I've, I've always been, and I was raised to take vitamins and stuff actually. Um, my mum always was just like, made us take cod liver oil. Uh, um, yeah, I hated that. And, oh, and castor oil as well my god so I I used I grew up taking supplements and it's something that I've been really passionate about for a very long time throughout my I think from when I turned about 21 22 I really really got into health yeah um but working in the pandemic was very stressful because as you can imagine we're already chronically understaffed and then you have a workforce that is wiped out by COVID a lot of the staff are off um, a lot of the staff are isolating and it's not just midwives, it's nurses, it's doctors, it's healthcare professionals, it's healthcare assistants, it's administrative staff, it's across the board. So we had to bring staff from all sorts. We had speech and language therapists working in maternity um, as healthcare wow. assistants. We had, to, we had to pull from everywhere because it was so busy and it just, you you can't run a service with no staff. Like we, we it, it was a really, really mammoth task. Um, it all sort of, by about, summer it started to ease a little bit and then of course as winter creeps in you've got normal bugs and flus but then you've also got the amping up of covid and then new variants came about and then again it was like a massive plummet in staffing and then also a lot of people left a lot of people got burnt out um a lot of people also felt pregnant which was amazing and they went on maternity quite early which was lovely but you know chronically we were we were substandard with staffing and I don't think that's just across the trust that I I worked for that I used to work for it's just nationally it's it's everywhere really um but for me I it was it was shit like it was fucking shit and it was really it was quite anxiety inducing um how do I feel about it now I'm less anxious in terms of um the COVID stuff like uh, it took about five six months for my anxiety to really really cool down Mm. Uh, I think the only benefit as well is that in the beginning I saved loads of money. <laughs> I won't go oh, yeah. 
<laughs> we weren't going out. We weren't doing anything. I, but my anxiety was so high. I wouldn't even go out for walks because I was so terrified oh. of being well or making my family unwell because I lived with my family and it was just a lot. It was like a really, I, I felt such an insane level of pressure um, when it's, you know, really anyone, anyone, anybody in my house, I could have fought it and could have, we could have all passed the time because we all work jobs that are predominantly frontline and, you know, yeah. client and that sort of thing. But I really was, I, I, I thought it was just shit. <laughs> That's just the word to summarize it. I bet, I mean, I feel like at the very beginning of COVID, we were at that point, what were we doing? We were washing our food. We were like, I remember even telling a friend of mine, um, I think it was all of the restaurants, all of the takeaways were closed, but Domino's had recently opened up again. And then we were like, okay, we're going to get a Domino's. We haven't had food for a while. And we had this kind of conveyor belt. So my brother would be at the front door with the Domino's and then my other brother would have a tray. So my brother would basically chuck it down the tray and then my brother would bring it to me. I'd put it on a plate and then immediately we have to dispose of the boxes. We have to wash the tray because somehow coronavirus could perhaps be on the box <laughs> you should have saw me at the petrol station my god because I had like you know hospital wipes in my car so I would my steering wheel would be clean I'd be you know wiping my door handle like it, it really was intense I remember in the beginning you know when obviously everybody was like buying up all the buying out all the food oh, yeah. so I remember going food shopping at the very beginning and I couldn't find nothing I couldn't there was nothing in Sainsbury's there was nothing in Waitrose M&S was bare and I remember just thinking so what 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 are we gonna do yeah you know you couldn't do an online shop because people had booked out the slots like it was they were lot. months in advance I couldn't find a slot on Asda for like months literally for months I actually that reminds me I need to reach out to Asda because they gave me a um what's it called they gave me a voucher in 2020 and I've yet to cash it out because I just couldn't use it and then yeah that reminds me I need to speak to Asda soon <laughs> it was a lot it was a lot um I think that I never thought that I would work through a pandemic. That is a completely brand new. And I, I think a lot of my friends and colleagues would absolutely say the same thing. Not, I hadn't faced anything like that. Yeah. And I think that for me, like the anxiety was a lot. It's a, so much better now. Like so, so, so much I'm better I'm glad now. it is. But in the beginning, I just remember, and I also felt quite sad. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to see some of my family. I'm, you know, I, I missed my little cousins. I, you know, it was just a lot of things that it impacted. And I'm naturally, I'm quite a sociable person. You know, I, I like dinners out, I like brunch. You know, if you know me, <laughs> you know what I like. Yeah. So it was difficult, as much as it was great, I was saving loads of money, like ridiculous amounts of money I, I got to yeah. save. But I also was just like, okay, I can do this for a couple of months. But I, I need things to start opening up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to go back but to normal I wanna, life. I want to dress up. I want to go to Amazonico. You know, I, <laughs> I want to dress up. You know, it, it was it was fine. It, it took a while for it to, to calm down. But when it, when it calmed down, it was fine. I think even when the new variants came out, it was also fine. I think it was only recently with Omicron and we were just like, God, really? Again? like over Christmas staffing was like it wasn't great throughout December and even still now and I just think that it's just it, it is what it is like I, we can't change it we can't suddenly um, find staff or create staff or pull them out of like this you know secret pool we have had to just make do with what it is and a lot of the times we are really stretched and that's that's the honest truth yeah no honestly my hat's off to you I feel like knowing people who 
would literally be like to me I don't know how I'm gonna hack it whether it's teachers most of the people that I knew who were really struggling were teachers and healthcare professionals and I'm just like you guys really went through it and it was at the peak of not knowing so much we didn't really know much about coronavirus at the time we didn't really know the impact of it it was scary as well the media was scaring us with like misinformation as well so just having to work and do your job not knowing what could happen honestly honestly my hat's off to you seriously the only one thing I want to say that has bugged me for a very long time and I will say it and I'm going to say it on a public sphere go ahead I saw so many takes of people saying I've been in hospitals it was quiet I saw nurses sat down they weren't really doing much shut up shut (laughs) up so hard in the last two years I have worked non-stop yeah I've worked hours I've worked sometimes in a 24-hour period I've worked 17 hours so when I used to see things like that of oh you know I went to hospital and you know they've all sat down they won't do nothing shut up shut up because we all worked fucking hard and we are all working hard so I don't want to hear oh I went I went for you know a random appointment and I saw the nurses sat down and they weren't doing nothing shut up get out of here because we all worked really really hard and are continuing to work really really hard people came out of retirement to come back and work into the workforce people that had recently retired you know do you know what I'm saying like actually came back to work and work frontline and I just thought when I used to see things like that on the internet just I do minimize the amount of time I'm online and also I just don't have time because I work so much yeah when I that particular thing that used to really piss me off because I just used to think what are you talking about because it throws it back in your face when you're like I've actually done so much work how dare you you're kind of minimizing it and it's almost like it sounds like they've probably got I don't know like an agenda somehow why what what good does it serve to say that about someone who or just a group of people like professionals who are working during the pandemic keeping people alive helping people to be in the best health condition that they can be and you just throw it back in their face I mean you try you try to deliver babies you try to I don't know treat someone with an illness you I know? don't do a night shift or actually try and work in the morning be called in to staff labeled at night for 12 hours work for 17 hours and then tell me how you feel because yeah. that's something I can say me and my colleagues were doing on a regular basis on a regular regular basis like it was a lot because staffing was so bad at critical points like throughout the year it wasn't like that every single day but there was you know there was definitely times where I've worked 60 hours in a week 70 hours in a week and I like you know some people might be like well that's nothing it's not nothing when you're working a job that requires from you mentally and physically yeah and emotionally you know because to be able to look after somebody in labor or look after somebody antenatally you have to build a level of rapport you have to be able to kind of pick up on things that they might not might not say or might not verbalize all sorts and I just think that you know me my friends you know my colleagues we all worked really really hard and I'm not going to make this whole podcast about the pandemic that was the one (laughs) because it used to be oh I see nurses making TikToks yeah and like you might have seen a short snippet of like five minutes where people have actually had a five minute breather time a bit of time yeah it just it really used to piss me off so much so that was the only thing I wanted to say was that people have said so much in the press and I try not to read what goes on in the press and I don't read things like the daily mail I think it's a oh hell no um but I remember just seeing a lot of takes like that and I think that with the press they've got they hold a lot of power because they can control narratives and they can create narratives out of absolutely nothing but that was the one thing that really bugged me was just that you know where you know we're not working I sat down and I just think <laughs> sat down 
like I, I used to get in bed and my work friend would ring it be like Serena you know we're down by x amount of midwives or there's only five midwives on my board tonight and there's meant to be 12 you know we would all have to come in we would all have to work with that that, wow. that was it and I just think that it's so it's it's it used to it used to bother me and it probably still does bother me hence why I'm bringing it up but I just yeah. want to really really bring absolute clarity to that because we have worked hard you have so please don't piss me off yeah <laughs> seriously put some respect on your profession on your name like we've worked hard and I, I'm, I don't look for praise I don't look for a medal I'm not looking to be knighted or to have an MBE or any <laughs> of that but I just think basic respect you know yeah. people have worked hard and I you know I my family will tell you I, I was I was out of the house all sorts it'd be I've come home from work oh but I need to go back because it's short and that was constant that was consistent and it's not just me I'm not you know I'm not the pinnacle of the, of the NHS at all loads of my friends were doing the same loads of my yeah. colleagues were doing the same you know and it just is what it is but I just think that um the media has a, a big part to play in there narrative and you know I just think that it's really perpetuated this narrative of one minute we're heroes next minute we're villains and you know, next minute we're lazy the next minute you know oh, I've seen I've seen things in the press like apparent short stuff just I'm like what's apparent about it is true <laughs> apparent and then also I've also seen where the NHS are called things like angels and stuff like that and I know that there's been a bit of criticism about that as well where people are like we're not angels we're humans we're not subhuman like not sorry not subhuman we're not like superhuman either so it makes people think that we somehow have got like this extra energy that other human beings don't have and I can tell you raw, I get tired yeah <laughs> I get tired I get tired just like everybody else I get anxious just like any other human being I get pissed off just like any other human being and I'm happy just like any other human being but I think that that was one narrative that I personally I didn't like um, and that's why I'm happy to use a public platform to say that. Good, good. What are some of the good aspects of your job as well? I'm sure. I mean, you're basically working with mothers to bring life into this world. I mean, that must be a privilege. I mean, it's a very, I don't think people realise being with somebody in labour and birth or looking after somebody antenatally or even postnatally is a very, it's quite a personal and intimate thing. Mm. And it's not something that I personally, I take lightly. Um, I think I used to do case care, which is continuity of care. So I'd look after women from when they were first pregnant, right up until when their babies are born and, you know, we discharge them from postnatal care. So I would know some women for almost a year, really. That's yeah. a long time to be looking after, you know, to be looking after women, building a rapport with women, really getting to know them, know, you know, about them, what they do, uh, about their health and just, just loads of things. So there are so many positives for the job because it is, it is a privilege to be with people. But I also think that, I want to be absolutely transparent and just say that it's a fantastic job when there's enough of you when there's not enough of you it isn't the greatest job in the world and I'm happy to say that because actually yeah. it's really difficult to be able to care for somebody and safely care for people and you know loads and loads of people all at once when there's not enough of you and I used to hear it from women when they'd come to their appointments they'd be like you know like I just really feel sorry because I know you guys are working flat out but there are some positives I think it definitely for me has given me a an appreciation for the human body it's made me learn a lot about myself as a human being and also it's made me one of the best things my job has taught me is boundaries what can I actually give what can I actually tangibly give? Because I think we've all got the best hearts in the world and, you know, you want to do it the absolute best for everybody at all times, et cetera, et cetera. But that actually isn't humanly possible. 
So one thing my job has taught me, it's about, okay, having a heightened level of self-awareness of what can I actually do? What can I, what can I genuinely do? And then doing that rather than putting so much pressure on yourselves to be perfect or to try and have everything done or trying to the job of three people. It's really taught me to have realistic expectations of myself so that I know, okay, I've hit my limit. I know that I can't work for a certain amount of time. I need to have a break at a certain point because I know I don't function very well. Like yesterday was a classic example. Got to about three o'clock, I'd been in work. I'd gone in to do a partial shift from about 10 till six. And um, about three o'clock, I was like, I need to eat something because I, I, for people that know me, I I love food and I don't do very well when I'm hungry. Me, (laughs) me either. (laughs) I don't don't like to be hungry. I need to eat. I need to eat really. So I feel good and I feel balanced. And I think it's really taught me is, is don't try and overstretch yourself because you can't. And I think in the end, you let you do end up going down that route of burnout. Because I experienced burnout. I was off um, at some at one point, not last year, but the year before that, for you know for a few months because yeah. of like sheer exhaustion of just working throughout a pandemic and then just having normal life stuff happening. So I think that you know we had so much focus on the pandemic that actually real people still had real life stuff happening. Yeah, they life goes on. Life was still going on in spite of the pandemic. And I think that sometimes that, that got a bit lost as well. So I think that when people have been hard on themselves, oh, like, you know, I feel down, I don't understand why. I'm like, bro, we've just spent two years in, for me, in isolation. You know, like that was the big, that was the key thing. You've got socially isolated, you've got isolate 10 days if you're in contact with someone. You, you know, you, you can't see your friends, you can't see your family, you can't go out, you can't do this, you can't do that. It was a lot of heightened isolation. And mm. I think as a human being, we're not actually meant to be isolated for prolonged periods of time um I know that in spite of me being a sociable person I do genuinely need to see people and talk to people because otherwise I don't feel like me um and I think that that's there's a lot of things that the pandemic for me taught me and brought to life for me personally and I yeah. think that the best thing it did was it allowed me to get honest with okay I know I, I naturally I push myself and, and that's the person I am I push myself I push myself I push myself but I was like okay I need to start actually being like what can I actually give here how much can I give without making myself drained or burnt out which meant that I had to learn to say no which meant that I had to completely you know change how I work left my job and you know decided to go back just as and when I want to work and do locum and do bank and that sort of thing and that works so much better for my life now I have such a better work work work-life balance that I can work work out I still have more than enough money to live and you know I just don't have that um that pressure anymore and it for me it's worked beautifully amazing see I like that you're you're working around it in a way that doesn't take too much from me or tax you and I'm assuming it's because you've learned from the burnout that you went through I'm, I think sometimes we kind of have to hit rock bottom in order to pick ourselves back up again like I've been there before where I've hit rock bottom my job personal things have happened so many things just pile up and up and up and up and it's basically like like a fizzy like a bottle like just basically just bursting and then you realize, okay, um, I was doing way too much. I was taking on way, 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 way too much. Now, in order to get back to my old self, if not even just my old self, but just a better version of myself, I have to then slowly but surely pick up the pieces. And then I think you need, you basically learn about, so 
this reminds me of a newsletter I was reading a while ago. I don't know if you know Shamadine Reed. She used to have one else. Yeah, she does an amazing newsletter each week. And one of her recent newsletters was talking about how she sees her body as a machine in a literal sense. So when you think about a machine, you have inputs and then outputs. So she said, I think about my inputs. Let's just say, for example, I can't remember from the top of my head exactly what she said, but it, for example, good sleep, good nutrition. Um, and then you've got kind of like a middle kind of ground in between the inputs and outputs that kind of influence the output and then good inputs or bad inputs will imp- are impacted by that kind of middle ground. So for example, for me, I'm someone with PCOS. I know for a fact that just kind of having a, a, a bad diet is going to trigger my insulin resistance. And then that PCOS is like that middle ground. So I need to then have good food that's not going to trigger my insulin resistance. That middle ground is going to play around with it. And then the output is going to be that my hormones are balanced. So when you look at your body in that kind of machine way, in a way, you have to think of good inputs are going to result in good outputs. So good sleep, good quality sleep, actually, not even just sleeping for a few hours, but good quality sleep. You know, because we're all on our phones, we're all scrolling at all times of the night, and we're all on our phones all the time. And I think people underestimate good quality sleep. I don't just mean you can sleep for eight hours, but still wake up and feeling knackered. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Which is a telltale sign that actually something is going on. And I'm really glad you spoke about hormones because PCOS, um, obviously, for people that don't know what that is, there's polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and the importance of balancing your hormones and actually eating regularly as to prevent. a, a spike in your glucose levels and balance, being able to balance insulin and sugar and all of those things, it's really important. And it, that's not just important for people that have PCOS, but actually everybody. Yeah. Like you, we all have natural insulin resistance, but if you're somebody that you're constantly, your body's in starvation mode because you're going like several hours without eating, sort of, you know, yeah. you're, you're wreaking havoc on your body and your hormones. And one of the big, big things that definitely over the years, like I've read lots of, and I've researched loads and loads and loads about women's health um, and just generally how to look after my body and how I can get the best from myself. So I think that's a fantastic example in terms of like, okay, what can I put into myself? Because that's how, I don't see my body as a machine per se, but mm-hmm. I definitely use that whole, okay, am I, have I ate correctly? Have I drunk two, at least two to two and a half liters of water today? How much did I sleep last night? Um, how many times have I worked out this week? Have I taken my vitamins, which I'm looking at right now? Um, am I, you know, all those things. Am I putting in? Have I gone to therapy this week? Which, I, yes, I have. All those things, really, really, really important because I know what makes me work the best. And I don't mean Absolutely. work the best for work. I mean, work the best to me. For because you. I'm not my job. I'm not my job. And I, I, you know, I think that that's something that people definitely need to bear in mind is that we're not our jobs we're more than our jobs you know I'm a human being I was Sabrina before I qualified you know almost 10 years ago and I'll be Sabrina afterwards when I decide to change or leave or do something else or not do something else but ultimately as it stands in the middle is Sabrina in the middle is Hafsa and you have to realize okay what is good for me what do I need what do I need to be able to fully thrive I don't want to just function I don't want to just get by I want to actually thrive enjoy life enjoy like look after my body that sort of thing because at the end of the day, if we're talking in terms of longevity and actually looking after ourselves, I do want to live for a very, very long time. One of the things that drew me to you was that I was like, wow, she's 
she does this work professionally, but also she's really interested in the health route, the holistic route. You're really into your supplements. I've looked at some of the supplements you've bought before and I've actually bought them because of you. But I love that you marry the two together because I think a lot of the time people see it as an either or thing where they say it's either holistic medicine, herbs only. It's only all about just the traditional route or it's only Western medicine. And I think we can't, I think we, I think we can't discount the traditional route because these are things that we've used for centuries and they've helped us. But at the same time, the Western route slightly has a bit more of advantage, for example, let's say when it comes to more complex issues sometimes. So when you kind of bring the two together, we know that it can only work well. Like it's not, it's not a thing that's against each other. So when I see that you're a professional who who's doing like basically who's like bringing life into this world, who's killing it in her career, but she's also really interested in the holistic supplement type of route. I like that. I'm, I'm, I found that so fascinating, by the way. No, I do. I've always, always been into holistic health. And I think one thing I'm fortunate about is that I've got an auntie who's also in, into the same thing. So I've always had somebody to talk to about it because I've always loved holistic health. I've always been about, you know, how can I, basically how can I biohack my body? How, yeah. what supplements and minerals can I take to be able to optimize, you know, my, you know, optimize my body, my energy levels, everything. And sometimes it can come by supplement, sometimes it comes by a herb, sometimes it comes by, you know, adjusting my, my sleep, that sort of thing. So it's really, it's actually really nice to hear that actually people do try, because I don't, I, I never post anything that I don't use and that I've not spent my money on because I'm not sent stuff for free. But if you want to send me stuff for free, that'd be lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone's listening. I spend a ton of money, but I don't post things unless I can actually vouch for it. And I'm not trying to say that I'm the beacon, but I believe it's very disingenuous and quite unethical to say, please buy this. Mm. When I can't vouch for it, when I can't say how has it benefited me, which is why when I wrote my ebook and I released it, I only included things that benefited me and things that I can actually say that, you know, genuinely I have seen results and these are the results because I think that we can all sit down we can all post stuff and people have, who have got you know a huge influence whether it's because of their background etc I do think you have a responsibility like I don't post stuff that I I don't use like anything that I've posted from Symbiotica or any other companies I genuinely use my multivitamin from Viridian I've used for like six years yeah. Um, like there's nothing that can get me off that vitamin because I know it works and it has worked really well for me and my friends in my personal life I've recommended it it works for them so for me I don't believe that it's just one or the other I think that there is a way that you can actually merge the two I think that that's important um I think that I think it's just I think to me I'm very very big on getting to the root cause of things I I'm not a surface person I very much like to dig into like the root cause okay so what is this what are the symptoms what is my body telling me that's the one that's the one of the things off me I'm like what's my body telling me what's my brain telling me and I look at my body as a whole so you mm. know like how people work out you've been gym and you know I love it I love it for you I love it for you guys I love it for you babes I'm not a gym bunny I, <laughs> <laughs> the gym I've tried it it's not a bit of me Pilates is, is exactly where it's at for me you've got what you, you've got what works for you basically what works for me like I know friends that you know who will be in the gym every single day or five days a week and they're squatting and they look good and I'm like yeah love it for you however <laughs> what works for me and I know that I work a stressful job so to do stressful exercise isn't beneficial for me mm, it's yeah. actually not do me very well I know you know Pilates isn't easy 
it is not easy. I brought I brought at least three, four of my friends to my class with me, and they're like, oh yeah, no, like, rah, like, and I'm like, yeah, like, it's not, it's not an easy thing. I don't think even on the videos that I posted that it looks easy because people have messaged me and been like, you make it look so easy, and I'm like, well, like sometimes in class I'm I'm look, I, I, and they're really good. They don't have a clock in there, so you never know what time it is. So you never know whether like you've got five minutes left of your workout or 10 minutes left of your workout. So it's very, very good. Sometimes I'm in there thinking, oh, blimey, what time is it? I need this to end, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm tired, like my body is like, oh my God. <laughs> but I think it's really important that we, I think everybody should be interested in holistic health. If you can optimize your body utilizing supplements and herbs, why, why wouldn't you? That's yeah. the, the for me, I just see that for me, for me personally, it's a no-brainer. I know there are other medical professionals that are like very much about allopathic medicine, etc. And I do think that does have its it does have its place. Like if somebody gets shot, I don't want you to call a holistic healer. I need you to get a surgeon to come and remove the bullet out. Exactly. And get this shot on the road. <laughs> but I think that there is ways to can, but for me, it's something that I I will never give up on my life and I will always and I do. I like even with my, my family and in my household, everybody knows like the tea cupboard is full of herbs. You know, I always try and cook with things that are, you know, are really beneficial. Like when at the height of the pandemic, I was making my teas like with onion, with ginger, garlic, all of that. And these are things that, as you said, traditionally we've used for such a long time. And I feel like sometimes in society, we've really moved away from like nature because we're, we're in quite a digitalized, quite an industrialized society. It's like London is very built up. It's, it's very gray, concrete, not much grass, you know, not much. We're not out in nature as much as we used to be. We're all on our phones. We're all, you know, we're all looking at screens all the time, that sort of thing. But actually, if you take it back to basics, sleeping properly, drinking enough water, eating from the earth, you know, moving our bodies, exercise, all those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, like th th those are really like the core like foundations of health and the core principles of health Absolutely. and I just see it for me I, I I treat particularly with like like my health my mental health I I, I I don't really play about because I'm just like if that fails everything else crumbles if I don't feel good then everything else is crumbling and I you know you have, I feel me I feel like I have a responsibility to look after myself and there's no point in going into work and telling women you know you need to take a pregnancy supplement take your vitamin D and I'm not doing the same, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't look, I don't look, or, or maybe I, you know, I've come into work and I've got like loads of dark circles or I've suddenly like exploded in weight or lost, drastically lost loads of weight. And I think that people will, I think people do listen. I think people are open, but I think we have to be able to approach people from a place of non-judgment mm -hmm. and actually make things accessible because a lot of the self-care in the wellness world is very white centered. That I've oh noticed. yeah. I could so talk about that all day. Honestly, it's, it's very um, exclusive. And exclusive and Lululemon leggings and going to Pilates. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'll, I'll call them out. I'll, I'm happy to call them out. It's so white centered. And that isn't, the re that's, not, that's not the norm for everybody. Not everybody has got time to jump on the tube at six in the morning with their yoga mat to go to Knightsbridge, to go to a yoga class. Not the mum who's got to do the school run and then come back, pick up her kids from after school club. And you, like, you have to make these things accessible. And yeah. you have to, I just think that in the wellness world, there's a lot of, it's very white centered, very white women centered. And you have to almost like have a particular way, but I'm just thinking, but that's not realistic. It, it's, it's, not re it's not realistic. You could, my mum 
like when me, me and my sisters were growing up, it was just her. Do you think you were going to my mum to put on her Lululemon leggings, get on the tube from my house to go into central London to work out? She would have told you, what are you talking about? And it really does highlight the class divide in this country. And it highlights the inequity because actually we don't have an equitable society. And that let's, that let's not lie about it. We don't have an equitable society. We have mm-hmm. a society that's very much class divided, race divided, um, and you bring in all the other, you know, the other things in, in terms of people's like sexual um, orientation, people's job status, that sort of thing. Society is very divided. Like, let's be clear about this. Mm-hmm. But I think if you've got a mum, or even for me, like I've had, I've had people reach out to me and be like, I want to get into self-care, but I just don't know where to start. And I'm like, oh, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Like, I think you have to make it, you have to make it accessible to people. If you tell me to get up at four in the morning to get on my yoga mat, I'm going to tell you no, that's not happening. Yeah, that is not happening. So sorry, I'm tired. I've worked today, but that's not happening. The earliest, I mean, I went to work out at nine o'clock in the morning today. That was early. That's very early for me on my day off. That is, <laughs> that's very Amen. early. <laughs> but I, I just think you have to make it accessible, and I think that is why I'm really passionate about, it and why I will always continue to post about health because I think it's a very white-centered, a very white middle-class-centered space. Yeah. Because white working-class people won't be able to participate in that either. It's very much. <laughs> literally in every facet it it's so exclusive you have to literally be white middle class in order to enjoy pretty much the trappings of the the pinnacle of wellness and as much as I'm not gonna lie I do like a bougie smoothie every now and again I do like to kind of tap into that every now and again but I don't have the budget for that nine times out of ten and also I know that's just not me I know that I don't come from that background. I don't come from a white working class background, but I know for a fact that I can still be well without having to do all of those kind of newfangled things. There are other things I can do, but that's just because I've gone out of my way to research and to look into things that I know are going to help me to, to live as well as I can. But for someone who's like, okay, listen, like you said, you get people asking about self-care. I know that they're probably thinking I have to then buy these smoothie powders. I know I have to go to like a really high um, kind of high, highly priced circuit training class, like Barry's, for example. I mean, not to diss Barry's. I actually like Barry's, but I mean, people think it's good. It's good, but I just can't afford it every, every, every week, multiple times a week. Let's be real. That's not in my budget. I have other things that my money needs to go on, but I just know that, there are people out there who don't really know where to start so yeah where do you start you know um I think for me one of the best investments I've ever made was in therapy I went to therapy from the age of 21 and I think investing in my mental health has been probably the best one of the best things that I've ever done for myself and I will fit ever be grateful to myself for taking that step because people weren't going to therapy like 10 years ago around me like they weren't like I'm going to keep it absolutely buck they were they were not going to therapy and going to therapy to talk about my life talk about some of the experiences that I've had and you know learning to manage anxiety has been one of the best things and like with the current therapist that I've got I I mean I love her I absolutely I love that woman I I, she can't leave me (laughs) I don't want her to leave me that raw I, and it's for me, it's very, it's been imperative to have somebody who looks like me and not as in like, you know, you know, she's a dead ringer for me, but as in that she's a black woman. So she understands my experience. I think sometimes there, when I've had therapists, I've never had white therapists in the past and that, you know, they've not been terrible, but being able to understand certain cultural nuances 
it doesn't translate. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not really translated. And I think that I've encouraged loads of my friends. I'm like, you need to get therapy. You need to get therapy. Like, you need like, just try to go to therapy, I promise. But you have to be at a place in your life where you're willing to talk about things that aren't comfortable. To have a level of, like, honesty and frankness with yourself to talk about things that, you know, are not comfortable. And to actually have a safe space to do that. I'm so grateful. It's not cheap. But I'm really, really grateful to have that safe space a few times a week to talk about my feelings and to and to be respected in doing so yeah to actually have a person who not only holds space for me but also I'm respect I'm respected in that space I'm not um it's not taken for granted because it's a lot it's a lot to hold space for somebody and for them to share things that they ordinarily they might not have shared with like their partners their friends their you know their parents etc etc so for me it was very important and I will always say that if you've never had it please do try it and if you meet someone you don't gel with them that's absolutely fine not everybody who has the first consultation with the first therapist they've ever met will be the therapist for you it's okay to stop to change and find something that fits for you because you're investing money in it like I've invested thousands of pounds in therapy easily well tens of thousands of pounds really <laughs> but it's been the best thing for me because my brain is an organ. I need to look after it. Yeah, you do. And we're living in a world that's incredibly fast paced and it's, you know, it's very capitalism driven. You know, it's a lot on a normal basis, thousands, 2000, 3000 years ago, this is not the life that we were living. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that it's very important because a lot of the times the things that people go through, whether it's, you know, any form of trauma, it doesn't have to necessarily be anything severely traumatic but trauma is very much something that I find is quite subjective what might be traumatic for you I might just be like oh, no I'm, I'm all right with that what you know what I might find absolutely tra- like traumatizing can't even put words to it or talk about it you might just you might not actually be able to get it and be like well you know I don't know like I I, I don't see it that way and I think it's incredibly important that people invest in them. And especially, we've been in the pandemic for two years. We've been isolated. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their livelihoods. People have had to bury their family members. Some people haven't even been able to bury their family members. People have lost family members abroad. Also, it's just been such a chaotic time for people. So I think that it's really important that we look after ourselves and not just from a, you know, buy the best skincare, which, yeah, I love skincare but actually look after yourself internally because yeah. that's really important because actually if you're feeling happy and you're feeling contented it shows it shows in how you carry yourself it shows in your skin it shows in everything and when you're not feeling good like if for me if people in my life know when I'm not feeling good because I'm not as talkative I'm tired I'm irritable you know I don't have much patience and I think it's really important to invest in yourself and but to make it a lifestyle to make it something that's continuous but just knowing that it doesn't have to be this really expensive thing you don't have to go out and go to harley street to get a facial and that's something very 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 superficial that i'm using as an example you don't have to go to like the you don't have to go to planet organic to get your food shop i love it but you don't have to actually go to planet organic and do your food shop you can go to a normal market a normal supermarket and get what you need to get and start living healthier and start eating better and looking after yourself and actually for me looking after my body is a sign of self-respect for me as a person and as an individual going back to the therapy thing the therapy thing for me 
I resonated with that so much everything you just said about therapy like I'm in therapy at the moment and I've just kind of been in and out of therapy since I was about 22 I want to say and I've had my own journey with therapy where I had a few therapists that I didn't necessarily get along with others that I got along with but I just didn't feel like they got me exactly and I like like you said you have a black therapist for me I found that the therapist that I was going to didn't quite get the nuances of me like as a Muslim girl, as a black girl, like how the two intersect. And then there are issues pertaining to me being a Muslim girl that don't influence me being black. And then things that affect me being black, but don't necessarily affect me being Muslim, for example. And then the therapist won't necessarily get that. And I just, I can't remember from the top of my head what it was, but I just remember her kind of making a comment that made me feel, it's funny because we always remember how people make us feel, but I just remember feeling like she doesn't get me. So this judgment that she's passing would never have been passed by a therapist who got me, you know? And I like that we can kind of now, we have more resources available to us. There are directories available where we can actually go out out of our way to seek a therapist who is Asian, who is black, who is mixed, who is whatever, who's of this faith, who's of no faith, whatever. Batten, everybody, Batten, if you Google it, is the best. It's how I found my last therapist, my therapist before. It is the best directory for finding Black, Asian, mixed ethnic, and you. And as you said, you can you can you can fine tune it to exactly what you want. And I think that that's very important. And I think for me, I'm really passionate about Black women and Black women centering themselves in their lives. I am so pro Black women living a soft life, soft life only. That that's my bag. Centering yourselves because I think that there's a lot of pressure on Black, particularly if you're, if you're the eldest daughter. In a black family, boy. Me. Boy. <laughs> that is me. Boy. <laughs> boy. Boy, oh boy. Like the you grow up faster than you're supposed to do. You're you have such you have you have a heightened sense of responsibility that a lot of your peers will not have. You are, you know, you, you, there's just so much responsibility that is not given to black boys who are the eldest of the family, unless they're Sometimes the dynamic that I've seen is it, and if the father's not present, then sometimes the black eldest boy will stand up. And I will speak about black people because that's who I am. But for me, I'm very, very pro black women centering themselves and putting themselves first in all facets and all caveats of their lives, whether it's your career, your personal life, your relationships, your friendships, center yourself and put yourself first because soft life is all it is. I don't do strong black women. I don't do independent queen. No, 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 listen. (laughs) <laughs> me and strength let's not do that yeah i so sorry because there's a, a continuous narrative of you know you've got to be this strong black independent woman and it's a very harmful stereotype because i think that when you are when you are when you do portray that people are less likely to help you less likely to assume oh she's got it handled she's a tough spring as well she's she's all right and it's like actually no i'd love a bit of help right now yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd actually love a bit of support right now that'd be great so I think that for me, I'm very passionate about black women centering themselves and leading a soft life. If you can outsource, if you can afford it, like for me, and I don't care, I'll say it publicly, I, I, I don't enjoy cleaning. I, I, I just think, oh, I, I work so hard, I'm not coming in to clean. No, no, when I, when I move out, I'll have a cleaner. I, you know, I, I think if you can outsource and you've got the funds to do it, make your life easier. I make my life very easy, very easy. Amen. Suit me because I think that that's incredibly important because I think if you've been in a household or you've been grown up in a family, which a lot of black first generation um, 
African daughters are, you tend to be at the bottom of your priority list. Yeah, everybody else comes first. You know, you've got to look after your siblings, you've got to pick up your siblings, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to fill out forms, you know, for, for, the, for that parent or for this auntie. You know, there's just a lot. I've heard so many stories. And I'm like, wait, what? You have to do what? what? And I think it's really important when you get to a particular age in your life that you're like, okay, no, no, no. I come first and you center yourself and you make sure you prioritize yourself. So for me, I really want to hammer home especially black women always always center yourselves because I see it all the time black women do amazing things they you know they're out there doing their masters they've got their doctorates you know they're doing all these things they're going to therapy and they you know they're 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 just they're doing bits yeah but I really want to see more of that and I really want to see more women saying actually no we're not going to be doing up strong woman and strong queen no I don't want anybody to describe me as strong. So sorry, but I, I don't have vibranium in my diet. I'm not, you know, I don't have the strength for the Blair Panther. I don't have any of that. <laughs> I am very much <laughs> me. And I think for me, soft life only. Soft, soft, the softest of living is yeah. Sabrina. For me. And the I softest of living. I love it. I love it. Softest of living. Listen, I, I feel like being strong, it backfires because... Oh, I know better oh. than to go yeah. to someone who I know can't tolerate this level of stress versus someone else. If I need something to be done, I'm going to go to someone who I know who can do it. So who in my life I know, like who do, who in my life do I know has a higher tolerance for stress? Who do I know in my life who has a higher tolerance for BS or who do I know in my life who's gone through stuff and they know how to just handle it? Like the Olivia Pope in my life. Why? Because they are the strong person. And and a lot of the time we're kind of conditioned to not complain, to just take it on. We've got responsibility. We've got others depending on us. No, I, so I'm the eldest. And a couple of years ago, I made the decision to take a step back. So I was always the one who would get things done. It wasn't even just a, people would even ask me. My parents would ask me, my siblings would ask me. It was beyond that. I just anticipated their needs just like that. I would anticipate their needs. Anticipating others' needs. But now that is a skill. I have got down to a T. I have got, I can, I can actually categorically say, that's the school I've got down to a T, but yeah. it hinders you. It, it does hinder you because you, you take from yourself. You don't realize that we actually do have a certain, which is why I said, Ella, we have a certain level of reserves. And if we're constantly anticipating everybody else's needs, but other people aren't doing the same for us, where does it leave? We don't have energy for ourselves then. Exactly. Then we don't. That work out. Oh, you know what? I can't be bothered to talk about my feelings today, so I'm not going to have therapy today. Oh, I'm not going to, you know, oh, do you know what? I've, I know I should apply for a job, but I'm not going to do it because, you know what? I'm so tired. I'm going to watch Netflix instead. And I believe that in life, prioritizing rest, particularly for Black women, is one of the key, key things in life. Learning to actually, I've had to learn to tell myself, you know what? They're actually capable. So and so is capable. They're capable. Take a step back. Yeah. It is the best thing to do. And, you have to eventually and and I would feel guilty about it but when I made that decision to take a step back I felt it was for the best but there are pangs of guilt every now and again where I'd say to my little brother listen you need to figure that out yourself when I was your age I didn't have an older sibling to help me I didn't have an older brother or an older sister who was there to help me with the most mundane basic things like oh how do I set up the hoover figure it out yourself I had to or I need help with a school application. I mean, I, I mean, 
I, I was lucky to have my dad's a teacher, so he helped me, but I didn't necessarily have an older sibling who'd gone through the UK school system to lean on, for example. So certain things like that. And now I love it because I can sit back and I know that my brothers and my sister, they 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 have the initiative now to be like, listen, I'm gonna clean instead of me nagging them in the WhatsApp group chat and saying, someone left the dishes in the sink. How dare you clean it? Or before, like before someone goes to bed, hey, can someone make sure they throw out the bins? Make sure you throw out the bins at night, this, that, and the other. They just know. And I know that I can just take a seat back. But before I really had to take it on. And it and it really does kind of hinder on your ability to think straight. And when you're a natural caretaker, you're just kind of you're in caretaker mode. But I love that I've been able to just take a back seat. And I was glad I've done that. And I've talked about it with my friends who are older daughters as well. A mix whether or not they're the eldest or they are the eldest daughter and they've got older brothers, some of them being whatless boys anyway, and they're just not doing anything. But I feel like every woman I know who's an eldest daughter has kind of gone through the same struggle of having to just manage everyone's expectations, like kind of take the initiative, be selfless, do everything. I mean, I even have a friend who was like, I can't move away for uni. This is when we were younger because my mum needs me, my siblings need me, or, I don't want to move out and live with my partner because my family need me or I don't know if I need to, t- I don't know if I want to transition into another career because I know that I'm going to take a hit with my money and my family need the rent. It's all of these things that kind of sit on our shoulders as eldest daughters. And I feel like we need a support group. Definitely. And I'm so proud of you for being able to do that. And I think you said something that's key. I don't think parents realise like the role they play in the eldest sibling and their other children's relationships. Because actually, if you're playing a mum to your siblings, they don't see you as their sister or their brother, or you know, they don't see you in that way. Yes. That develops that level of um, resentment in that relationship. Yeah. Because as you said, I didn't have, I didn't have an, eldest, an eldest. In fact, I'm actually the eldest of not just me and my sisters, but my cousins. I am literally the eldest. If I, if I include that, as in like my family in the UK, family in the US is a bit different but my family in the UK I am the absolute eldest I'm the eldest sister and I'm the eldest cousin with that came for me so much responsibility like I felt so weighed down I didn't realize I felt I'm like how can I have burnout at work and burnout in my personal life what's going on in my life so it people I don't think people realize like the pressure that's put on particularly young black girls that isn't actually placed on young black boys it's not placed on them and I I will say it's really not placed on them like as a young black daughter I can't sit here and lie and say you know when I was young I had to cook and clean the house I didn't my mum bought me breakfast in bed up until a certain age I I won't lie to you I've soft life soft life softest of living that's that's been my motto for a long time but when it came to certain things with my sisters like I remember going to my sister's parents evenings all sorts like I just had a heightened sense of like responsibility for an incredibly long time now I've been fortunate enough that my mum was um pretty financially stable throughout pretty much my life so I never had that pressure of like when my friends would say oh god you know I need to give my mum you know 800 pounds this month and I just I, I I couldn't relate to that because that wasn't my experience but I'm very aware that there are a lot of people that their lives are on hold because they're like if I move out like my, my parents my family they can't afford that they cannot afford to exist without me being being in the home so that with that comes a lot of pressure a lot of pressure and also a lot of I'd imagine a lot of resentment and a lot of bitterness because it's just like your life's not moving forward 
and you get to a point in your life where it's like okay where do they start and they end where do I start where do where do I end and I think it's really really important I think a lot of black women need to learn to say no a lot more um but also I think that it's not just down to black women I think that we're in an environment where let's face it we live in a country that is incredibly hostile racist homophobic you name it like there's just a lot there's a lot going on every other day you see oh you know you see something in the press about you know pretty patel's bringing in this law she's bringing in that law she doesn't want migrants here she doesn't want this you know all these things we live in a quite a hostile environment which can be quite challenging to navigate as a woman as a black woman we know we all know about microaggressions at work oh my god your oh, hair yeah. now where are you really from yeah know, we about the microaggressions at work and when you're constantly navigating in those spaces particularly if you're in predominantly white spaces that can be quite challenging so I also think that if you've not been raised or not been encouraged as a child or nurtured or you know just brought up in a way where you are you and you're allowed to say no you're allowed to put yourself first you're allowed to prioritize yourself but a lot of the times, a lot for a lot of people, I mean, I, I mean, my upbringing was slightly different, but I know for a lot of people who they might be new to the country, they might be, you know, it is, it is genuinely a state of survival. And a yeah. lot of elders do end up becoming parents to their younger siblings whilst their parents are out working, whilst they're, you know, I remember like I'm going to do night shifts and it would just be me and my sisters in the house. For that, that went up for years. This is when I was about early secondary school about 11 12 yeah. 30 I can I can openly say it I mean the police won't arrest her now but <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah they won't go anywhere near but I mean I was the same I was a babysitter a lot of the time because my parents were working yeah. and it was this whole thing of make sure no one opens the door make sure you feed the kids at this time make sure and I know now speaking to my parents that they probably wish they didn't rely on their kids as much but especially when you kind of come from backgrounds like us in a way you kind of have to and it's kind of sad that we have to kind of lean on our children in this way sometimes and I think it's a it basically is as a result of coming from backgrounds where you're coming from an immigrant background or let's say you're coming from a working class background or where like I just think there are so many dynamics that play into it and in play into our well-being like nothing exists in isolation so class is naturally going to impact your mental health your ethnicity is going to impact your your mental health your immigration status like you said pretty patel who's far from pretty i cannot stand her sorry but literally all of these things impact and play into our well-being into our mental health and it just has lasting consequences and i'm I, i'd love to know what it's been like for really privileged older daughters I wonder yeah, I do like, wonder yeah I wonder yeah, what it's been like for them privileged black older daughters I would love to know because I feel like now I mean I'm quite fortunate me and my sisters we've all got quite small age gaps between us so we're all about three three years apart so they're big girls so they don't rely on me like that and they haven't done they're quite independent they're quite self-sufficient you know like I don't have that high intense responsibility or I've got to fill out this application form for so and so like I don't have that because they're big girls they've gone to you know we were born in this country but they've gone through the education system in this country so they're very aware and they know what to do but I'm very I'd be very intrigued to know what a black middle class girl who grew up in this country experiences like and did she have to because 
or did, did their families have nannies and babysitters? I think for me, I think if you're big into manifestation and things like that, which I am, and I have been for a very, very long time, I do, because I'm very mindful about what I say, what I speak over myself, I speak over other people, because I do believe in the power of the tongue and like, yeah. you know, what you can speak things into existence. So I do think that that's also really, like a really important part of ourselves to nurture as well, is to actually believe in our own power and know that we can make things happen. Because we see, I see it all the time, like people are like, beginning of this year, I set this goal, by the end of the year, I superseded it, I had done this, 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 and this. And I think that it's really important to have that, to nurture that inner confidence and that self-belief. But I think confidence is something that it can be learned. I, I know people are just like, oh no, confidence is innate. And I do believe, yes, confidence is innate, but I definitely believe that confidence can be learned it can be nurtured so that it can grow and expand and I think that that's really important to have a level of self-belief in yourself and um being able to actually say this is what I want and just make it happen because yeah. you can you can make it happen whatever you want out of life you can make it happen but I'm not going to sit here and be delusional and say that everybody starts in the same playing field yes yeah. that's 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 not yeah. If you're coming from a, a working class family where your parents don't know how they're going to feed you for the rest of the week, um, where you're, you know, like it's just money is tight. You can't like, obviously we all know about the money make clip, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, there were snippets of that that came out. Now, I think when you come from a privileged background, your lens is quite skewed by that. Or you perhaps might assume that everybody else is living the same as you but everybody else has had the same opportunities and experiences as you. Now, though majority of us have all gone through the education system in the UK, access is something that I feel that is only given to particular people. Yeah. And that, 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 that is true. And no, no one's going to tell me any different than that. That To me, I believe that is very true. But I also believe that in spite of sometimes the challenges that we might face, I do think it's really important. I do, I'm a massive believer in manifestation, massive, massive believer in manifestation, nurturing yourself concepts, utilizing the laws of assumption and just knowing that you can speak and bring things about into your life, which is why I talk kindly about myself, I talk kindly about others because it's really important because like we've seen it, like people, you can speak things into your life, whether that's yeah. good, whether that's or bad. It's so true. I. See, I didn't, I didn't conceptualize it as um, manifesting or speaking um, things into existence as a kid. But I remember as a kid, my mom and my dad would say, don't say that. Stop it. Which is like seek refuge in God. If I said something bad or if I'd said something about myself, like I'm going to felt. No, don't say that. My dad would always say, Hafsa, if you say it, it's going to happen be careful what your tongue says. And my mom would always say that, be careful of what comes out of your tongue, out of your mouth. Um, my mom would literally always be like, no, oh my God, no. Like anything, she, she would just basically get shocked and be like, no, don't say that, that's terrible. And now as an adult, I get it. Like there are certain, like even like certain things like, um, you know, when someone's laughing and they're like, I'm dying or I'm dead. I don't say that. I can't. I can't say I'm dying. I'm dying. You know I'm what? dead. I, 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 I don't say that, you know. I know that's something that I regularly said in my house. Like whenever we send funny clips off, we watch something funny on the telly, you know, oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. And for me, I'm alive. I'm very alive and my heart is beating here. Yeah? I'm very alive. 
I'm just very mindful. Like even yesterday, for example, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were just saying, you know, we want to work loads and have the summer off. And she was like, yeah, so basically we're going to die for the next couple of months. And I said, I'm not dying. Don't know about anybody no. else. Yeah, I'm no. not dying. I am very much, she's like, no, actually, you're right. We're going to just work quite a lot. And I said, yeah, but I think that we have to be very mindful about what we speak about. And your parents are right, because I've seen it. I've very much seen it. And I've got a mum that's quite religious. And I think that when you have parents, particularly if you've got ethnic minority parents, and, you know, I we, we've all seen the TikToks and the memes of, like, the parents that are praying over their children and all sorts. Like, I remember, listen, I remember, I remember as a kid being in bed and suddenly I would just feel splatters of water <laughs> my mum prayed over water and suddenly she wants to bless everybody in the house and, oh, my <laughs> and if you ask my sister some of the things that we, <laughs> <laughs> we saw like honestly it was just it's, it's a lot but I do as much as like yeah I might have a giggle about it I do think that there's there's a, there's a lot of truth in that we we do know about the power of the tongue I know about the power of the tongue yeah which we is- do I mean I've said things before and it's literally happened right afterwards yeah. or I've or I've um, said things about, I don't know, my job. And it, and I think it it kind of manifests somehow how it manifests. I don't know. But I think it is it because you're kind of more inclined towards actions that are going to kind of elicit this kind of response, because somehow in your psyche, you've constantly said this thing, this thing like. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. That means somehow subconsciously you absorb that in. I don't know. And then you're naturally going to gravitate towards actions that actually end up resulting in you failing. I don't know, but I'm not going to take a chance and basically like say things that are contrary to how I want to live my life or how I want my life to result, you know? So now we definitely need to take care of what our, what our tongue holds. And we really like, you know, in the words of Drake, the power of the mind is not a joke. Sabrina, it's been incredible talking to you. I could literally talk to you for hours. Well, I mean, I think we've been speaking for like an hour and a half. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) It has, we've what, talked about strong black women to the pandemic, to self-care, to therapy, to everything. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we find you on socials? So you can find me on Instagram at Lifestyle with Sab or on Twitter at Holistic Sabrina. And you can purchase my ebook. There's a link in my bio on Instagram. And I talk about self-care, some of the things that I've done that have helped myself, um, recommendations for different therapists for like different things, because I've tried all sorts of things like in my 20s in terms of like healing. Um, So you can find it there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Take care and stay safe. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.